welcome to Experiencing Consciousness. My name is Jan Libra. And I'm Dr. Catherine Rossi. We're happy you're here. For example, with first novel, when I uh, I was writing it, I was really, really into that world. Then when it was written for a short time, I was thinking that the words were not uh, as good as what I saw. And uh, it is a bit infer inferior. And uh, then there are some mistakes here and there and flows and stuff like that. Then I start to like it again. Then I thought it's like... Ah, I for almost forgotten about it, and then I reread it after like four years, and I was surprised because I didn't, uh, I forgot about a, a, a few few times, and I was like having enjoying it and laughing, and I thought that it's much better than I remember, <laughs> and I had a good yes. time in it, and 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 basically it it's. It, it was not from, I was not there. I was reminding myself how it was, but using only these words that were, it was almost like reading somebody else's uh, book because all the images were coming not from me to the paper like last time, but I almost forgotten this part in my brain, but from the paper to myself, like if reading somebody else. And it was also also a nice thing. It, could, it, it was very nice. It's very good to remember this always, is you create because you create. It comes out the way that it comes out. And sure, there can be some editing, but most of the time, the first words are the best words. And you create pictures, 3D pictures in your writing that came from a long time ago when you fell in love with Iron Maiden. I want to meet those guys and tell them the story. <laughs> I can only imagine how much they would love hearing this story. But I'm also a bit of afraid about some, some characters. Like I, I like them a lot, but you know, they, I already have them in their plot and in their world, but they are, you know, living safe inside my head. But <laughs> I think that if I write and give it to other people, they will be a bit more like, you know, I think like they are much safer here. And uh, like, like I'm a bit of afraid of really bringing them out to the paper and to the world and to all of these uh, people, like, like, like a bit like children. Yeah. Well, it's a bit like like creations, like creations. I really like them. They all they are all inside head. Sometimes I don't remember about them. Sometimes they they demand. They say I have an idea about my story <laughs> and something like that. But I I was always a bit afraid of really typing that and making it making them come to the paper and then to other people. Like like I don't know, maybe a bit like a parent that was a bit afraid. Like if they're kid will go on the bike and uh, go to some other place alone and uh, maybe harmed or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. All right. A lot of material and um, 
how how do you dr rossi understand the dynamics that happened here i see a lot of on your part a lot of combining of the things that were seeded or activated before with what what happens now you you are mentioning of uh of of the the of the iron maiden of uh you know uh, all those things from the past and hubert is also mentioning them so uh, we can see that he resonates but he also describes a process and experience and kind of expresses um anxieties or fears or uncertainties in some way but also i mean you know that's basically uh, many things happen in here so i'm not, i'm just yeah. keeping quiet and I'm, I'm interested how you view this process that's yeah. happening in this. by the way i don't know probably you've noticed but i stopped speaking in slow motion by this time i started to speak more or less normal and before that i was speaking like really this kind of way and and in this part i switched to to almost almost normal <laughs> Yes, you were. And what do you make about this time, Hubert? Hmm. I think it's it, my like mind turned on more or less, not only on the unconscious, but I was trying to speak about like, I don't know, experience and a bit of like philosophy of writing and uh, how it is uh, with me during the process, how I treat uh, characters that appear in my head and this kind of stuff it was more like a conscious stuff so i stopped to be in like in the other world <laughs> like this uh, like this uh, it, it it really switched on to to to, to more like a, um, that i was trying to actually focus on what i am saying and trying to be a bit more precise and talk about experience so exactly exactly and um, you know, there's the four-stage creative process, and um, stage one is where you kind of ask the question, the problem, the concern. Stage two is the working through. Stage three is like the aha. And then stage four is how you put it into your life. Well, after that big stage three, you actually went back to stage one, really. What is the question? Because the question is new now. And the question really was about um, this. It, well, fear is what you mentioned a couple of times. and um, But I read between the lines of wanting to respect your characters, wanting to respect what they wanted to say. Um, and then this little fear that, gee, I'm... I'm, I'm the parent of these characters. I don't want them to get hurt by others. And so there's there's this sort of question that was going on in the inside of, of, of your mind. And some of that was absolutely, you know, linear consciousness. And other times you were actually leading yourself, I think, into the next step, into the next iteration of it. And I could see by my hand movements that I was following. Because when you were doing a lot of this, you know, I was following that. And the reason why I do that is there's a certain feel when you move your hands this way. And um, 
um, and in moving my hands the way that you were moving your hands is different than the way that I would move my hands. So it was a way of uh, another way of of connecting of how the nails feel when the nails are together, how, you know, when the when it comes together, you could even call it a fist, you know, but I didn't call it a fist at the time. But that um, that that was, you know, an, another element of it. But in the same time, I was not out of the trance. I, it was not like if I am sitting with somebody and mm -hmm. during the coffee table and explaining the creative right. process. I was feeling that I'm in a different state, but uh, but definitely not speaking in the same way as as before when we were immersing into shapes, colors, and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Yes, there's different levels of trance. And I think sometimes this can be confusing for people, particularly for therapists who might think to themselves, well, he's out of trance now. And then they start to speak with you as if you're having coffee, when really the respect is in, in understanding that the trance is continuing. It's just moved to a different kind of phase. And um, that that your inner observer was becoming active and looking at how do I do what I do and elements of it. And um, for me as a therapist, when I see a person in different levels of trance, I'm always assuming they're still in trance. And that um, and what that does for me is it puts me to be very careful with the words that I select, you know, using less words whenever possible, but but um, that as you protect your characters, when you're in trance, um, I see my job as to protect you so that you can continue to be in trance, that I'm the safety around that. So I'm not telling you what to do, say, think, or feel, but I'm helping to contain that space where you can be exactly who you are at the time and make the discoveries that you make. So it's a precious moment. And there's gonna be many people that listen that are psychotherapists that, that will be able to reflect on this moment of, how do you continue respect as a therapist to your client and uh, and to understand that there's, you know, uh, there's a wave nature of consciousness and there's a wave nature of trance. But I loved hearing about your um, um, passion for your characters and the purity of, of wanting to treat them well, of not imposing yourself on your characters, but letting them speak for themselves. I really love that. That's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, I think think trying to think of characters like regular living people is a bit of the same, like when before we were talking about uh, pretending that um, bike is a car or or a monster being a real monster like it it's probably something that will help to immerse in that world mm -hmm. a bit 
and I see the big smile on your face, yeah. it makes you happy. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, to <laughs> that's, me, that's the, good that's, stuff. <laughs> that's the point is in going to these creative places where it brings out the best in you. That's the good stuff. Yeah. Well, good stuff, bad stuff, you yeah. know, it's just stuff. Yeah. It's important that um, to not make value judgments of if it's good or if it's bad. It just plain is. So I mean, later on, you can evaluate it. But, you know, uh, I don't want anything to interfere with the flow. When you get these really evil ones going, it's like, yeah. yes. <laughs> okay. So let's go further with the recording. It's very beautiful that makes me wonder at what time in your life will you no longer be afraid to show that side Hopefully still I believe there will be a time it's a question of when what did you love about the image of that t-shirt when you were yeah. three? It was scary. Yeah, but scary in an exciting way, not not like uh, scary in a bad way. It mm -hmm. was like a, like like uh, enjoying a nightmare that right. that you really want this tree to become a monster and chase you. At least you know that it will not mm -hmm. harm you because it is a. Uh, this kind of monster that will give you a lot of thrills and uh, and uh, good experience and you will remember it but it will not mm -hmm. physically harm you or do anything bad mm -hmm. to you actually two things that i saw in here that you know i would like to ask you um the question of when is a question of uh, that contains an implication that it will happen somewhere the question only the question is about if you need three minutes or like three days or something to achieve that and then you utilize the a, an idea of fear to reframe it in uh, in in the frame of excitement and hubert goes with it and makes a brilliant reframe of that that there is a fear that makes you feel that 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 causes different things that may be interesting or you know safe comfortable that's something no physical I... harm mm -hmm. yeah no physical harm that you know to when he said enjoy a nightmare i thought yes you know this is an idea whose time has come mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to enjoy a nightmare it's like i like this idea um when i was saying um that um you know asking the question will there be a time you're no longer afraid to you know show these things and then I said, um, I, I said it really quietly, but I said, I think there will be a time um, that, uh, uh, and that it's not a matter of, um, uh, you know, if it's when, you know, of, of when it will be, but I did not time bind this. Mm 
mm-hmm. that uh, that that was uh, left open ended. Hubert, there's a technique in hypnosis where you make a time binding. It's like, and so you know, um, it's usually uh, two opposites, you know, and then to say, and then you'll come to whatever you come to within the next, you know, five minutes or within, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I almost never use that unless I feel that there is some danger that needs to be addressed. But in this case, this is all about creativity. And so there's no, there's no need to be time bound. The other thing is that when you're questioning yourself like this, it comes up occasionally but each time it comes up you have an ability to have a smoother transition to not stay with the fear that this is part of of what memory brings is that you remember the time that you did have fear you did have reservations about bringing something forward that was you know going on in in particularly in one's writing and that I think um, slowly, 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 we learn not to be afraid to not have these restrictions of just going for it. And that um, you can always create something that ends up being private just for you, but not to have any anything that limits or restricts. Was that clear enough of what I said? Yeah, I think I think so. I'm just thinking about it, and I think it's clear. I don't have too much to, to add. <laughs> oh, good, because you know I'm I'm attempting to be clear, but sometimes see the, this is the deal with some of these techniques is that um, they're they're on purpose confusing, mm-hmm. and I'm the first one that gets confused. So I'm not real good with the confusion technique. <laughs> But, you know, but, uh, you know, I do think that that this statement, it's not a matter of if it's when Mm -hmm. that this is a really good statement to entertain in general in one's life when you're looking to um, advance or you're looking to make changes. And, you know, particularly when it comes to limitations and the thing that seems to limit most people is there's there's a fear of some court, some sort. I made a commitment. Um, I can tell you exactly when it was. It was in 2016. Um, and I made a commitment to live a fear-free life. And um, I started practicing not being afraid. And I took a trip um, by myself. Ernie didn't come to go to Thailand. I was attending a wedding. So I was by myself. I knew very few people. And it was for days and days and days. And uh, and I made a commitment that I wasn't going to be afraid. And the entire time I was not afraid. And um, I had a really good time. And, and, and after that, um, I was only gone for like a week. But after that, I came home and decided I'm putting this into my life. I am not going to be afraid unless there's something really to be afraid about. You know, um, that... that uh, um, uh, if an animal's going to bite you, you should be afraid. You should yeah. get out of there, you know. So there's reasons to be afraid, and I wanted to be afraid 
only when that was the yeah. case. Or avalanche or something like that. Or an that. avalanche. You hear, you hear yeah. a sound, it's like, you better get out of there quick. Yes, yes, you but know? I understand. And traveling helps a lot to, to develop this habit of not being afraid too not much. Not being afraid. <laughs> the more you travel, the less afraid you usually get. Well, exactly. Of things. And, <laughs> yes, and so I, so, um, I just make mention of it because of the fact that for me, this question of it's not if, it's when. So I made this experiment of I'm just plain not going to be afraid. That's it. I'm not going to be afraid. Did I experience various dangers in the course of that trip? Oh, absolutely. But I wasn't afraid. I just got myself out of, you know, harm's way type of thing. Um, because you're always going to be in situations like that, but not to be able to dwell on it. And again, it has to do with creativity and zest for life. And um, so, you know, my question is, you know, um, why do we have to be afraid? Why are so many people afraid? Can't we switch that around? And it's particularly relevant, I think, in 2023. I hear it everywhere I turn about people being afraid of this and people being afraid of that. And, um, you know, why not turn that around? Why not just make a commitment of, listen, I'm going to figure it out. It's not if, you know, it's when I'm going to be able to live a fear-free life. Why not? What do you got to lose? <laughs> Except for fear. True. <laughs> True. Depends what are you afraid of. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you're in, if, if you're living a life that's in danger, Mm -hmm. then it's time to rethink how you're living your life. If you're living your life and it's in real danger, yeah, it's time to rethink like, mm -hmm. like, is that a good nightmare? <laughs> or is yeah. that a nightmare that you don't want to live? Exactly. So uh, living a fear-free life would be uh, listening to your uh, fearful thoughts or hypotheses and test them in a way. I mean, you know, if I am afraid of traveling, I will travel and see what's going to happen. Something like that. Would that oh, yeah, be you have to face it. You mm -hmm. know, that, um, uh, you know, and, uh, but again, you know, with a really good mind. So you don't put yourself in situations that you know you're going to be really afraid of. But if your mind is telling you, listen, other people do this every day and they're not afraid, maybe I can learn not to be afraid. You know, that sort of thing. So everybody has their own path with it. I'm just saying it's possible. And why not entertain the idea? Mm -hmm. Cool. I've got some ideas about that. I'm going to share that <laughs> afterwards. I mean, you know, I, I, yeah, I definitely will. But afterwards. <laughs> afterwards. Okay. Okay. So maybe we can go further with the recording. What do you think? Yes. All right. Remember, we just ask questions. We just wonder what's going to come next. And when these stories that are the inside of you want to bring themselves forward for good or for evil, very interesting and as you continue 
I'm going to make a little aside because I know Jan is watching. And I want to say to Jan, consider the Spiegel eye roll at this moment in time. That's right. That's right, Hubert. Okay, I'm going to pause here. And an important thing I think that we may address here to the people who are watching this, especially who are watching this on the YouTube, uh, maybe we can develop a bit more on what is a Spiegel eye roll test and what does it indicate in this particular time? Uh, uh, what, what, you know? what does it mean and how to utilize it and what to take from it that kind of question well we can certainly go there did you want to go there now me or hubert well first you jan well i was or thinking is... that you know maybe there will be some people watching us who doesn't know what is a spiegel eye roll so just you oh, know, sure there will be. Br brief mentioning what is it and why, because you are pointing it out. I know why, but uh, I'm just thinking that maybe people would like to know why is it so important and mm -hmm. what they're supposed to be actually looking at. Well, uh, you know, essentially um, mm -hmm. that uh, it, it was studied in the world of uh, um, hypnosis in you know, how deep people can go within a trance. And so it was, you know, Spiegel that did studies, I believe it was at Stanford. Yeah. And um, when you think about mystics, um, that often that that people, you know, they, they, they move their eyes upwards and they move them upwards and upwards and upwards and to the point where you only see the whites of their eyes. Like mine aren't doing that right now. And this is an, an indication of very, very deep inner focused experience. And um, and it it's definitely a trance. And so when one is in a really deep trance like that, there's a different kind of respect that um, uh, that goes on. And um, uh, so, you know, basically it's, it's, uh, it's trans depth, you know, is how that is. And there's, um, um, you know, uh, various instructions that one can give in order to go into a trance like that. But, um, but the individual needs to show, you know, promise that they would do such a thing. So it's not like you would do that, this with everyone. I have a tendency to work more in the naturalistic ways rather than um, inducing through methodology. But the methodology of it is that you ask the person to look up, you know, look up, look up, look up, and keep their eyes looking up, and then very slowly close their eyes with their eyes still looking up. And it's quite a trick to be able to do that I mean, I, I can't do it for you for you now because I'm not in that mind. Uh, and then when their eyes close, then you can say you can relax your eyes. And so um, it's just something like 7% of the population is highly hypnotizable. And then the rest of us aren't. 
And so um, being able to go into a super, super, super deep trance like that is not vital for good therapy. But when someone has this capacity, it, it shows that there is this depth of trance. And you recall a few minutes ago, there was the going into like the stage three. And then I said, you know, like back to like stage one. Uh, and so Hubert was going deep into the stage two. Um, and he was he was doing so with his one of his natural ways of going in deep that he didn't even realize of um, having this characteristic of the Spiegel eye roll. So um, and so when you see that as a therapist, let me tell you how important it is to be even more careful with the person because they're highly, um, um, you, can, you can influence them during that time. And so it's really important. Like that's not when you make like all the suggestions and this and that. And for many people that have this quality of going in naturally, they can be taken advantage of in the world of people talking them into doing things that they wouldn't ordinarily do if they were in a different state of mind. And so for me as a therapist, I get even more careful and I really listen to every word I'm gonna say before I say it. There's nothing that's going on inside me as a therapist at that time that isn't 100% focused and, um, uh, and and respectful and careful. So to a therapist, that's actually a hint of be the best you can be because now someone is really deeply in, involved in a relationship with you. There's a lot of trust and they are actually really listening and that actually can uh, yeah. influence someone. Yes. You know, because I think part of what we're doing here as we look at, you know, in great depth <laughs> of... Um, you know, how things occurred is that in, in teaching this deep respect, in teaching connection and teaching communication, and that, um, you know, and from time to time, I'll, I'll, I'll be strategic, but I don't have any um, goal in the end. All of that's going to be up to him is that in where he goes and where it leads. And I could never have remotely guessed that he would go this deep, but he did. And I thought for the sake of you and the people watching, that it was important to make mention of the Spiegel eye, the Spiegel eye roll situation. But when you see pictures, you know, of saints, for instance, of, you know, in whatever religion that one has, there's there's saints, there's seers, and you you um you look and their eyes are focused upwards yeah. more often than not. And and especially when you just see the whites of eyes, it's it's really um it's really deep. People possessed by demons in horror movies also do that. <laughs> Quite well, a lot, you know, yeah. yes, you know, and and uh, one of the things that's interesting is that um, I've been on the planet for a while. You know, that's how I got this, you know, natural color of hair. 
Um, so I've seen people in all walks of life and in all realms. And um, and there's people that really, really, really good, good hearted people that have gotten involved in cults and things like that and talked into doing things that they wouldn't ordinarily do in their right mind. They have a tendency to be able to have this happen to them. And then somebody noticed and took advantage of them. And so the last thing in the world I ever, ever want to do is take advantage of anybody at any time. And so that's the deep respect that I have for this. And as the therapist, um, there's a lot of healing that can happen for the individual client when they know that they can go there, but it's a trusting situation. And um, and so that was, you know, really a rare gift to be able to see that. I bet you didn't know, Hubert, how careful I was. Uh, yes, but uh, what's what might be a bit, um, how do you say, surprising for you? When you when you tell that to Jan to to pay attention now, I noticed it and I was actually happy about it and it was thing that uh, made me uh, really help to go even deeper and better because sometimes I tend to have this like golden retriever type of personality and I like to please people very much and when you said oh now pay attention I was thinking yes I'm doing good <laughs> I'm doing good right now I'm doing things that enjoy people will be interested Jan can focus you are happy that you I did something interesting and it helped me actually to focus and do this kind of more so so it was it was this this thing that I sometimes have to even sometimes doing things I'm not uh, fan of or or I don't enjoy them but when I see that everybody are happy and I please them I sometimes do this kind of do this kind of stuff like like my favorite dog a golden retriever because this is the this is its personality it always try to please everyone um, and this is what he likes to do and when you told Jan to pay attention I had this idea in my mind yes now I'm doing good <laughs> I, oh well, that's beautiful now I'm doing good. I, it is like saying you're a good boy. <laughs> you're a good boy. <laughs> this is the the part the part that will be remembered, interesting, and it actually helped me to focus even a bit more and go into. And it should work opposite, like talking to another person watching should be like taken out of the trance because it is like like something like um distraction, but it was not a distraction for me. It was something that was really helping me to go even more because was, I, I, mm -hmm. I found out that you're, you're also happy. So I thought, oh, I'm making you happy, I'm happy, <laughs> the viewers happy. I, I made everybody happy. Let's go even more. <laughs> oh, that's, that's really beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. And isn't that also a great example of ratification of trans experience? Yes, but also um, uh, this is this technique of, you know, for a moment, I'm going to have a little aside and I'm going to say something to somebody else. This is what I learned um, over the years of doing clinical demonstrations in front of large crowds, is that um, sometimes it was really important to be able to let the, the people in the, in the crowd, you know, at the various conferences, understand what was going on. And I found in each and every case that the, the client went deeper within the trance. 
and um but again it's it's this level of honesty is i you know here's an aside this this doesn't you know you keep going you know this is what we're doing over here for a moment or two but we have minds with the capacity to operate on many different levels at the same time and um this is abundantly clear within the context of of hypnosis is that you know you have these many minds that uh, can communicate okay thank you so let's go back to the recording okay that's right going in as deep as you need to go to receive what's coming forward for you. That's right. Actually, I'm happy also because at first with Jan to be in this kind of state, I did it to like be in the dark and be in a very comfortable place and everything. It had to be in the uh, like way that I was thinking, no, this thing is making me problems. This thing's making me problems. And today I basically on purpose sat not very comfortable and I have light <laughs> just over my head and I just don't uh, find it problems like like environment doesn't do do anything bad so because it's happening on uh, the inside it's happening yeah. on the inside and that's a massive talent And what I observe is that you have a tremendous capacity to focus. And how can that be completely enjoyable? This tremendous capacity to focus. in the best possible way. Okay. So um in this in this particular segment uh what I can see is a lot of um supporting facilitation but also um this last part where you take what what Hubert's what Hubert said and kind of uh, I think I'll say you reframe it or put it into a context where it actually supports even further uh, some kind of developmental lines that are set in motion i don't know if i see this correctly but that's my impression here general impression i don't want to go into details more because i would rather like you to comment on the process well the idea is that when you're in a really really deep trance you have 
such extraordinary focus. I mean, that's the nature of it. And when you want to um, be a writer, when you want to write novels, you need to tap into that focus. And so when you know 100% that you have this capacity to focus, that in and of itself is enjoyable. So you remember what I said about that when one is in deep trance, choosing words very, very carefully. And so in this, I was saying completely enjoying this capacity to focus. And I used another word that I thought was really good, um, talent. You have a talent to focus. And um, so in, in this respect of um, speaking the truth, 100% speaking the truth, looking at his face that looked angelic at the time, knowing that he was enjoying himself. So I was reflecting reality is what I was doing an irrefutable reality. And yet in one's linear mind, you can question your ability to focus. You can really question that. But when you have a talent to do it, then you're gonna be able to pull that talent out more and more. And that's what was going on inside of me. And so, yes, to, to ratify, to support. But it's in that very careful, very few words. Me? Doesn't that help you, Jan, to tune in to your amazing ability to focus? Well, you know, I'm like, it's very interesting to see your point of view because sometimes I like... Um, I think I, I've got it and that's true. And that's very satisfying. And sometimes I'm like, I'm thinking something totally else. And then, you know, when you highlight what you, what was your way of thinking and stuff, I go like, oh, oh, damn. And so, you know, so <laughs> that, that's actually a beauty of uncovering the indirect approach that you think you're, you know, you think about something because, most of those things also launches you know i'm watching this and this launches my associations and everything else and i'm also trying to like you know go with the line of the of with the structure and everything but then suddenly came out that there is some other idea deeper idea or any or you know different idea so that's actually pretty refreshing and kind of uh that's something that's really interesting in here well, another aspect of all of this that um, that therapists need to understand is that you do go into your own trance as well in these kinds of processes, and so there's the um, the the part of you that's able to um, you know have that observer so that you know that you're being 
mm-hmm. you know, completely there for the client, but understanding that there's associations that go on in the inside of you that you're going to be receiving in your own unique way. And um, uh, it's quite the art, you know, I mean, as we're talking about all these things, it's like, I can understand why people would just like to have a script, right? You know, instead of following, um, you know, as, as I do, because there's so many more considerations. But, you know, you know, every therapist has to decide uh, what they resonate with. But for me to be able to go into this um, present moment, you know, many levels of consciousness simultaneously, I mean, you know, talk about heavy metal rock and roll. I mean, it's like, that's why we like that, because there's so much stuff going on at the same time. And so it it really depends on who you are as a person and what you really enjoy doing. And if you can um, handle being in a different state of consciousness, which is really, you know, what happens when someone is involved in in um, helping out through hypnotherapy, you're not, you know, your linear mind is there, but it's only one of the minds that is is moving you at the time. So, um, you know, in some ways it's like a juggler, you know, there's so many balls in the air. It's like, well, there's three, that's okay. Oh my God, there's eight. You know, how am I going to juggle all of this stuff? But I just trust that um, my mind will um, come to a very sharp focus when it needs to come to a sharp focus and that I operate by minimal cues that I'm seeing. When I saw the Spiegel eye roll, Boom, I knew what to do. Very careful with words. Very careful. You know, really follow. Be able to um uh to to ratify, to help to be able to go in deeper because we don't know what's going to happen in the depths. Sometimes in the depths there's a trauma that's been hidden mm-hmm. that wants to come out. We have no idea of what's going to go on in those depths. And many therapists are extremely uncomfortable with that because we're told in our training, you are the therapist, you need to know what's going on. But the fact of the matter is when you're helping somebody and they go into these deep places, you don't have any idea. They don't have any idea. All the rules change. And and those rules to me are that really deep respect. It's... um, of um uh and and respecting the not knowing and respecting of what's coming up and that this is why understanding more about the four stage creative cycle is very helpful because you know that each each part of the four stage creative cycle is time limited no one section of the creative cycle is likely to last more than 90 minutes and you know it's gonna transition into the next one. So there doesn't need to be any fear about it when you don't know what's going on. This is part of being fear-free, is that you put it in that suspension and you just wonder what's gonna happen next. And I believe in this um, little section, again, I said, we just ask the questions. 
implying that we don't necessarily know the answers. So it's, um, you know, in all of these that um, the idea is that that people become the 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 best psychotherapists that they know how to become. And it does take um, an inner search. It does take an inner vision and it takes an individualistic kind of approach of what's important to you as a therapist and how you're going to grow your entire career. Mm -hmm. Ernie grew until the very end. The last session that he did was two weeks before he died. And uh, and he he was brilliant. He continued growing all of his life as a psychotherapist, as a human being, you know, as a partner for me, as you know, in every realm of his life, he was this amazing example of you continue to keep on growing. You don't know the answers, but you got questions. And um, this is something that that is deep in my spirit of um, um, and and it's why I have the freedom of thought and the freedom of mind and why I'm able to stay right in the present moment. So there's a lot to unpack of who you are as a person and what you want to um, how you want to grow in your life and the experiences will come along the way. And it's not important to always be like spot on with things, you know, it's important to make mistakes and then recover from your mistakes. Well, actually, you you, you uh, pinpoint here an in very important topic. Uh, in well, among my students, there are a lot of people who ask that question that goes into that that can be stated in such a way that uh, there there isn't this kind of mild anxiety that that can be expressed in in a way like, and if I go into trance and I'm gonna do something incorrectly, or what happens if the per if the patient will go into something difficult and I will not be able to handle that. So my question to you is, since we are actually moving around those realms, uh, if we, if you could, you know, like put together a set of recommendations or hints or, you know, some kind of clues or cues, uh, you know, a treatment manual for that kind <laughs> of anxiety. What would you recommend? How how could people develop to you know overcome that or not overcome, but you know take somehow into consideration how to utilize that or you know what kind of uh, abilities to develop? How, how would you say to what would you say to a person who who comes to you and says something like that? Well, that's a that's quite a long question uh, to answer, but I'll answer it briefly for right now. Okay. We might even do another podcast on that of just specific to that. The um, um, you know when you're driving a car and you're driving a distance in the car, so you're driving for an hour or more, and um, and then all of us you're driving perfectly well. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, my exit. It's just, you know, how many kilometers down the road? It's like, well, where was I in that period of time? How mm -hmm. was I so competent to drive this car? 
And yet I find myself snapping too, because there's my exit. So what it is, is that you have an inner observer on the inside of yourself. The priority when you are with a client is the client. You are secondary in this process. You are not primary in this process. You can snap out of whatever little trance you're in to be 100% there for the client. And so there is this inner observer that you learn to trust that says, okay, pay attention. And after a while, what happens is that you can you can actually super, super focus on the client, but also simultaneously, there's some things that are going on in the inside of you. Now, I found when the things that if I'm triggered into something that I need healing from, I say to myself, that is so wonderful that that came up. You're going to deal with that later. You're not going to deal with it right now. And so I put it into the, that's really good information, but now it's time to focus back. Mm -hmm. So um, the um, it's a dance to be sure. And, you know, for me, um, um, I'm not usually triggered into some kind of trauma. I'm usually triggered into some kind of creativity. You know, so that's sort of a different story. And it can be the same thing. You know, you make a little jot down a little note of, you know, I'm going to I'm going to think about this later. I'm going to do this later as it comes up, because the most interesting thing that you're doing is being with your client. But you're being with your client with your whole self, not just your linear mind. And maybe that will help to clarify a little bit. As I say, Jan, there's a lot that that can go into um, you know these ideas. Yeah, we're gonna do a separate podcast on that. Yeah, I th- and and um, uh, because I know, like, we're sort of getting to the point where I'm gonna have to call it a day. I'm so sorry, because um, uh, I've got this this baby shower to go to. <laughs> All right. So um, let me just address one more thing. I mean, so, so okay, I think we can stop the, the the analysis in here and, you know, come back to it later. Okay. So thank you guys for being with me. Thank you, Dr. Catherine Rossi. Thank you, Hubert, for being here and, you know, so that we can have this joyful and joint conversation and deep analysis of the process. This was another episode of our Experiencing Consciousness podcast. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Jan. You're the best. Be well, be happy, celebrate life.